Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lol. Actually a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW report were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I'm joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. Dave Watson. We're going to win the league. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? <laughs> feels like it. Um, you know what? I, I, so this episode is being recorded after the first game of the season uh, in which we beat Nottingham Forest 2-0. And uh, I've been feeling very positive ever since the result, allowing myself to, to dream of... Uh, previously unthinkable things like fifth and then I remembered and I, I know that the circumstances are very different but I remembered uh, me and Paul going to see a game in a pub the first game of the season two years ago against West Ham and oh, we yeah. just we just signed Callum Wilson and uh, Ryan Fraser and uh, Jeff Hendrick <laughs> Jeff Hendricks scored a pretty nice goal in that game. I think we won 2-1. Jeff Hendrick got a nice goal. Was it? Did Callum Wilson get the other or was it someone else? Basically, it was a very good performance. And off the back of that, we all suddenly, off, off one game, we predicted us to finish like 12th or whatever, or whatever in the preview pod. And then after that game, we were all like, 6th, 6th. <laughs> 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 and I feel like it's been a little bit like that, that this weekend but it was I know things are different and it was a good performance wasn't it Dave? It was a great performance like um, I've re-watched the game and the the difference between the, the football club under like previous managers and how we're set up now is just really exciting like there's a there's a thing which is like passes per defensive action. It's essentially it's just a measure of how much you press. And if you compare this weekend's pressing against Forest versus our pressing against like uh, first game of the season last season, we had something like we allowed like seven passes before we were on top of them on average. Whereas previously it was like twenty seven. It was like, we are not a passive club anymore. Is that an exaggeration or is that real? It was 27 no, passes before. <laughs> um, I wrote it down because I was like, uh, this, is, this is insane. It was, yeah, 20, sorry, it was 25 passes per defensive action against West Ham, first game of the season, last season. And this time it was six. So, wow. Yeah, we are we are on top of players. The press, um, the intensity of the pressing was insane. I think it's, mm. it's normally that sort of game you could see a few seasons ago could have had a very similar start, but then because we never pressed teams before, Forest would have quickly come to terms with it and actually started playing decently, and we mm. just didn't. We just had our sort of foot on their throats for the whole game. Yeah, speaking of uh, foot on. Speaking of throats, uh, just a minor technical issue, Dave, beard noise. 
Beard noise. It's a ever since it's, really bad. it's a radical Islam. We've yeah. had serious <laughs> problem with uh, Dave's microphone rubbing against his giant beard. It's just I'm so I'm sorry for the just to to open the curtain of what is normally a very professional operation. <laughs> <laughs> just have to tell Dave to please move his mic away from his giant religious beard. <laughs> Um, but getting back to the football, yeah, sure. We were we pushed really high up the pitch. We pressed them all over the place. Willock was, I think, Willock's gone under the radar. He was arguably man of the match. Really? Yeah, he was like he did a lot of the dirty work. That he, um, he was again. He was pressing everything. He was tackling. He was making more runs into the box than anybody else he that other than like Almiron. Um he was yeah, he was really, really good. Really good under pressure. Breaking through lines. He was fantastic. Uh well Bruno got the most uh praise that I saw for the game as well, perhaps unsurprisingly. Um he was very good, wasn't he, Paul? Yeah. His his sort of passing and vision is, I don't know, he just seems to have so much more time on the ball than anyone else. Like, it doesn't matter how many players are around him, how close they are to him. He can just, it's like he's playing at half speed compared to everyone mm. else. It's just, it is ridiculous to watch. I think as well, the encouraging thing about Bruno, I know, I mean, we might talk about Almiron a bit more, but the the kind of telepathy between Almiron and Bruno was quite promising. I know Almiron got in some good positions and it never quite materialised into anything more. But mm. so many, like, pass, run, one-twos between them, I think it's quite promising down that right-hand side. Well, yeah, because you had Almiron, Willock and Trippier on that right-hand side making little triangles and for, you know, to, to essentially the plan was get the ball in behind. Sometimes they use Bruno, but quite a few of them, it was just the three of them. It was just Willock, Almiron, and Trippier. Mm. Almiron got behind their, their fullback or their centre-back so often. So did St. Maximum on the other flank. That seems to be the way we want to create a chance, which is to, you know, the cutback. And, you know, we sco- Wilson scored off a cutback. Mm. We had loads of opportunities. If Almiron would fucking use his right foot we would have had like we we genuinely could have been like three or four nil up like we had so many good opportunities there were i did feel for Almer on a bit because there was one really good one that was he couldn't really do much but play it into the near post and wilson had inexplicably gone back post mm. you just think i hope he gets more game time for a bit more understanding hopefully his pre-season bought him that but then yeah. Hard to, I, but did you, I don't want to judge him off that one game, but I think four or five games and we might. So speaking of judging on number of games, how far removed does it feel now since the Steve McLaren, like, judge me after 10 games? <laughs> that shit <laughs> just comes to mind. Um, do you, what, what I was wanted to say about, um, did you see the, the ball across that uh, Wilson left? And it came to Almiron, and all he had to do is like stretch out his foot, his right foot, and it would have been an empty net goal, essentially, just a tap in at the back post. But instead, instead he controlled it, and he turned and turned and turned, always mm. on his left foot, and just the opportunity died. It's like, just fucking use your right foot. He's got that thing Joel Linton's got as well, I think, of just as soon as he gets in the box, it just thinks too much. You see that there's a really good Joel Linton chance where he sort of ran from deep, beat about four players, yeah. did all the hard work, got himself in on goal, and then just scuffed it wide. Although it's interesting, you know, is it who scored? The ones who do like mm. the, the player ratings for the league. The highest rated midfielder in the league this weekend was Joel Linton. Yeah. He did put in a really good performance. They're very different players, but um, Bruno and Joe Linton this weekend made me think of Teote and Kabai just because that's the last mm. time I remember us having um, 
two mid, two players in central midfield who I, you know I was proud that they played for Newcastle. They were like they seemed like they were uh, in terms of the league, you know, elite players. And you know, mm. not ready to call Joe Linton elite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but last not, season, yeah, destructive midfielders. Yeah? He's been very, very good. It's going to take so much. It's going to take a lot of getting used to. I don't know if I'll feel safe with Jolinton as a centre mid because of how quick the transformation was. It sort of feels like magic may have been involved. (laughs) And we all know magic can be undone. That is true. If, if, um, If Joe Linton suddenly starts playing badly again, we know that a princess has been released from a castle. <laughs> um, uh, you have to say, though, like, Forrest were terrible. Yeah. Forrest were really bad. And I don't know how much of that was how bad they are or how much of it is they're brand new. Because I think they've made, like, 13 signings, something like that. Apparently last season they had five or six of their first team were low knees so oh, okay they, they kind of didn't have much choice in the matter that they had to sign quite a few yeah. players yeah it's Apparently, hard to know how much of it was us making them look bad go on, sorry go on Paul but it's hard to know how much of it was us making them look bad because I, like I said before I think previous seasons they would have looked better because we would have let them play however they wanted to and that mm-hmm. just wasn't an option on Saturday but you'd have to say, for all our dominance and for all the good things that players like Amaron and St. Maximum did, uh, Wilson aside, we are, would you say, lacking some uh, clinical ness? Uh, yeah. Clinicacy? What's the Clinic- word? Noun for clinical. Clinicalness? Clinicalness. Clinicity. Clinicity. That's not a word. (laughs) I think those chances that fell to Almiron and Joel Linton, you really only think there's... You'd want them to fall to Wilson or Bruno. You wouldn't really trust anyone else on that pitch to necessarily convert them. Or Shah. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, that, that goal, an exact repeat of another goal he scored a couple of years ago, right, Dave? Yeah, it's a, a, exactly the same position, exactly the same part of the goal it went into, exactly the same like feel of the game where we were battering down the door, but it was, we weren't we weren't getting through, and then up strides Fabian Shah to slam one home. It was it at a point where we thought, is this ever going to come? It just opened the like it gave gave the fans a bit more hope and it gave the the players on the pitch they just knew now that yeah we've got this. You can't rely on that every week though, can you? One of the goal from a central defender. Um but Wilson was able to get a goal as well. And I I, I think you can make the case that his goal was better. I mean I I think most Premier League footballers, Shah more than many, have that kind of goal in them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Just uh, hard and straight. Yeah. Yeah, hard and straight. If you if you hit it right, then great. But so I've got a little bit of you know nerdiness. Um, so the chance that uh, that Wilson had, it was naught point. No nine expected goal value. So nine percent. Say so what? Was, <laughs> but because of the quality of the shot that he took, it had a 0.9 XG. So it's pretty much gone from a you're not gonna score from here to your apps this this shock is absolutely going in the back of the net. Mm. Well, I for one found that statement easy to understand and have no further questions. <laughs> Hang on. At what stage? I mean, once he's hit that shot, it's it's isn't it a, a one XG? At what stage are we um well no because the post, new piece post, of data so once post, it's left his foot? Yeah, so post shot XG measures 
So post shot XG. Uh, so it's between the 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 foot and the the back the, of the net. Well, yeah, because if you think about it, if you give the goalkeeper you, a one in ten chance of saving that shot, that's what you're saying. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Whereas, like, uh, if if he'd not had taken such a good shot, the keeper would have had a five in ten or a six in ten chance of shot saving it. So he was basically the shot he took was so good, the keeper had no chance. I, I think, like well, the, um, I haven't seen a satisfactory replay of it yet. <laughs> but I've seen a lot of replays, and I think. I don't know, he might be getting flattered. It might just be a, a bit of a fluky finish or it might be uh, one of the all-time great strikers' finishes. <laughs> I think you meant it. I think what's more yeah. impressive is we have a 2-0 a opening weekend win with two amazing goals and Dave finds a way to make it as dry and uninteresting <laughs> as possible <laughs> with a deep dive into XG Stats. statistics. Uh, but I, I have to say, like, that was Eddie Howe's, like, th- I think 30th league game. You can see a clear progression from where we were to where we are. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think that that performance against Forrest was chiefly down to how poor Forrest were. It gives me much more confidence going into the Brighton game that we'll get something from that. Because of that, that performance is coaching and effort and a plan and good recruitment, everything. I think fitness as well. You look at yeah. the first game of last season when we took the lead against West Ham and then just wilted because we our preseason had been pretty non-existent. Oh. We looked like a really fit team. Basically, had uh, sp- taken the squad to Thorpe Park for the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pre-season. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, there's lots more to talk about. Um, there's uh, some injury news on John Joe Shelby. There's a lot of correspondence on Twitter, I think, that I haven't read yet. So let's see how much of it is just plain abuse. And... Um, there's the upcoming game against Brighton, who also had a good result this weekend. Before we leave the Forest game, there's one yes, thing. Yes, yes, Dave. You one can. thing I just want fine. to... I mean, fine. Go on. Clearly <laughs> wrapping up. You could have brought it up in the second half, but go on, fine. <laughs> no, I want to bring it up now. The okay. corner routine. Did you see Forest's corner routine? Yes. What was the Where XG? they had zero, because they had nobody in the box. Oh yeah, I saw that. I I often thought fucking that, mental. No, I thought that's a. I thought that was a good idea. It didn't. It didn't. Um, I think on. a better ball, and that looks like a really good routine. It's like the one that England copied from Lincoln City, where it's just a line of players. Like if that goes badly, you think, what the fuck is they doing? So for anyone listening who didn't see the corner routine, what it was was yes, as uh, the uh, corner taker was lining up. There were no Forest players in the box. And uh, just as he kicked it, uh, I don't know, six or seven Forest players all ran into the box at the same time. To me, that makes complete sense. As a, it, I mean, it either comes off or it doesn't. But like, it makes complete sense because you can't mark anyone. You don't know where they're coming from. If one of them connects, then you say that was brilliant. Well, it's total sense to me. It also suggests that whoever's doing their set pieces in training is just getting ideas from going around pubs and listening to people's <laughs> ideas. <laughs> I think next they're just going to try hitting the biggest player and see if that yeah. works. I don't understand what's wrong with it. Dave, tell, explain to me what's wrong with that. Is it what, it's completely logical, right, isn't it? What's, it makes complete sense. No, but, uh, basically... You if haven't you, seen it before. Don't be afraid of the new, Dave. Don't be afraid yeah, of the I'm new. Not, I'm not afraid of the new. I this is tapas all new. over again. <laughs> Come on, Dave. I We have I Chinese or Indian every week. There's a new tie open in the area. <laughs> Can you please try it? Not having that muck. The, my issue with it is that the um, none of the defenders were engaged with uh, any of the attackers. So while the attackers, yes, they had a free run into the box, all the defenders had taken up the correct position 
so that wherever the ball came, they were in place. They they didn't have to watch for runners like jostling for position, body, getting body checked. There was no physicality in the box. It was, they were just going to run in. The most likely um, outcome of though that is either the goalkeeper calmly claiming the ball, which is what Pope did, or one of the on-rushing attackers barreling into a defender and giving away a free kick. Okay, well, we'll see. But I predict that they'll get a goal from it before Christmas. I don't think they'll ever try that again. Oh, yeah, you're making it out like it's a mad thing. It makes totally. It is sense. mental. It's not. I don't think it's mental. It just looks bad when it doesn't come off. The ball made it look a lot worse than it was because it was just straight at Nick Pope, who didn't have a save to make on his debut as well, which is quite nice. I know. All right. Well, we'll have a break, and uh, there's much more to talk, to talk about. So make sure you do come back for the second half. I know I will. Welcome back to the Newcastle NASA. Now, we were talking uh, a fair bit about um, how improved uh, s- options in the centre of midfield are compared with what they were uh, a year ago, for example. Um, the only new player is Bruno, that I can think of in that position, but Joe Linton is pretty much a new player. I saw on Twitter today, I know I obsess about Twitter quite a lot, but I saw some Newcastle fans getting very annoyed at the Daily Mail journalist, Craig Hope, because he had, in his player ratings, given Bruno a seven instead of an eight. (laughs) (laughs) That's incendiary. I literally saw someone tweet that it was clickbait. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's, to- like, it's totally reasonable to say, oh, come on, that was an eight. That's fine. Yeah. The conversation is over. It's not like he's giving him a four. He's giving, he's giving it one mark lower than what you think. It's not... And they were like, not- saying he's being antagonistic. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is... I think this is the mindset of modern football fans, a lot of it, especially online ones, that if someone doesn't agree with them, it's an act of aggression. It's not that mm. different opinions are allowed. Oh, and while I'm briefly on the uh, subject of Twitter, this is another thing that certainly I've seen fans of all clubs do it. It's a new, and I've got drawn into it myself, but it's a new thing of people taking a screenshot of a moment in the game and pointing out the pass that should have been played. Not like they'll take a they'll take a freeze frame of a moment when like say for example they did it I saw with with Almiron and Saint Maximin where they could have squared it and supposedly Wilson was completely free and he'd have a tap in. Oh for fuck screenshot. And I've seen it a lot with other clubs and stuff. And it, it's like, yes, in that like freeze frame that you've chosen, yeah. it does look really bad, but you're forgetting <laughs> what football is. <laughs> that you've had 20 minutes to have a think about. Yeah, and find that exact fucking yeah. frame. <laughs> like, yeah, if, it's, if it was easy as that, then, yeah, like, we could all play football. Like, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I was having a go at Almiron for not using his right foot, and I, I gave an example. But, in the moment, he's a professional footballer. Like he's made a decision based on that. And like fucking don't go on to Twitter because basically on Twitter they're doing it so that they appear to know what they're talking about, right? So, and um, what I meant to do was because I was talking not like about, a podcast. No, that's yeah, yeah. We don't know. We don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Do, um, what I meant to do is because we were talking about the midfield, is mm. point out that we've just we've just heard we're we're just hearing. That um, John Joe Shelby is out for 12 weeks, which effectively means he's out until the World Cup. So, looks like he's not on the plane. Um, (laughs) Which means uh, he's effectively, we can be pretty sure that he's going to miss the first 16 games of the season. Mm. Um, Does that mean that we need 
another player in midfield. Does it, does that mean we need to sign someone? I don't think Shelby being injured will make us like any less or more interested in, in signing a player in the centre of the park. I think our focus is going to be right wing or centre forward. Uh, I don't think we're suddenly, because we've still got, you know, four, five centre midfielders who... You're including Elliot Anderson in that? No, in that case, six. Who's the five? Jonathan, two long staffs. Well, yeah. Pr- staffs. Okay, yeah. And then Willick and um, Elliot Anderson. I don't think we're going to go off and sign a centre midfielder unless, I don't know, Frankie de Jong becomes available and is interested in joining the project. We're not going to go off and sign. No, the, the focus is going to be... Well, we, have, we are still, as far as we know, um, potentially trying to get James Madison, which mm. means it's it's not a part of the uh, the park that we weren't already considering buying a player for. Yeah, but I think... I, say um, that. I mean, when, when you're talking about Matty Longstaff, I mean, yes, he has put in a couple of good performances in the Premier League, but he played last season at Mansfield, didn't he? I uh, feel like yeah. Elliot Anderson's ahead of him at the moment, though. I think yeah. he'll yeah, yeah. stay. I saw... But, some people saying like we need to sign another midfielder because now Bruno gets injured, we've got no one to play in that deep lying role. But like the whole point of a squad is sort of, you can't have three players for every position. You just have to hope you don't get two injuries in one position at the same time. And if you do, just rejig the setup. Like I'm sure Longstaff, Jolinton, and Bruno and Willock. Oh Willock, yeah, 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 could work. Well, Phil Huntsman says, uh, would it be best for Anderson's long-term development to loan him to a promotion-challenging championship club? Without injuries, do you think it's likely he'll make more than a handful of sub-appearances? Even if there are injuries, we could just recall him. Obviously, you can't recall him after the transfer window, can you? After the transfer window closes. It's a weird one. Recalling players from loans seems like something that only really happens on Football Manager. Yes, mm. and often you realise on Football Manager that you can't do it when you think you can. So I would say it's tricky with Elliot Anderson because I don't really think of him as a like a central midfielder. He's an attacking midfielder mm. who who has played there. Whereas like Willick, Joe Linton, Longstaffs and Bruno, they're all central midfielders now. Um, so I think we've got five and five is enough. I don't think we need to go off and sign another centre midfielder because if if the, 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 the reason I said that we've got Matty Longstaff is because we'll need a centre midfielder on the bench. Like he's He would never be the one that I would start, but we got one at the club, so we don't need to go off and sign a sixth when well, Shelby's going to be back. Andy Sheldon says, presuming the Madison deal does goes no further, who do you see us getting as that creative midfielder that you're, we're missing? You're, you're suggesting that creative midfielder isn't the number one priority. I mean, I'm personally worried that, like, Callum Wilson is our only clinical finisher. We could do with a wide player who can also score. Yeah, I think think the reason we were looking at Ekatike and wanted him so much is he ticks both those boxes. He's Mm -hmm. a wide forward who can play in the middle as well. That feels like what we're still at. Yeah. Yeah, Same as Musa Diaby. Um, There's... There's a stack of links that were, I mean, it was like Alexander Isaac. Um, there's, oh, who was it? There's a, there's a bunch of them, but they're all those, like, not quite the same level, but Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, that kind of attacking what? forward. That position, not that sort of suggesting that we should be signing most. No, 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 no. Just not not that level, but that kind of player, that kind of like like Paul saying, like that wide goal scoring attacking mid winger. I don't Are think we, we need like our, number 10. Our, our formation is kind of similar. Are we trying to play a sort of more conservative playing within our own abilities version of what Liverpool play? More like Man City. Is that what we're going for? Do Man City play sort of a 4-3-3? 
ostensibly, but then their wing backs are a lot better than ours. So they those wing backs are almost playing as as midfielders. And then you've got um players like Foden, Grealish, and who's the uh, some, whomever on the right side feeding in. Or oh, that's what they have been doing. I'd anticipate mm. now that they've signed Earl and Haaland, they will change the way they're playing. Because the same with Liverpool. Changes, I think because that's the that's the formation now, isn't it? Four three three. Well, I think that used to be mad. That used to be what you used to do <laughs> on Football Manager in the nineties or whatever, or whatever football game you were playing on the computer. You go, I'm going to play four three three. That used to be like the the mad attacking formation. Well, I think what's interesting about how the game's changed is since you said last season there's no strikers, every team is buying a number nine <laughs> and just <laughs> completely rejigging the way they play. I think That's they put no strikers supply and demand. Yeah. I think going back to the earlier question about whether Anderson should go out on loan, oh, I yeah. think I think with Shelby out and with the five subs rule, he'll get game time. And he possibly got lucky with his loan last time that the club suited him, right? It's that thing of like, there's always examples for where it works, but then you've got players like Foden who are just nurtured within the club by a manager who knows what they want out of them. And I think he'll get enough game time to stick around. I think you're right. Certainly with the five subs, with any luck, we'll get... Adira, do we know who we're playing in the Carlin Cup yet? What's that? Not yet, I don't think. Not yet. Really early, isn't it? Um, with any luck, we're not in Europe, but with any luck, there'll be a Carling Cup run. Here, here's something that occurred to me, because I, ha- I haven't really been thinking about it until this week. This is a, a weird season, because it's going to be broken up by the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Who in our squad is going to play in the World Cup? Um, Bruno. Trippier. Sorry, who was the first one you said? Pope, Trippier, Bruno, maybe Joe Linton. Maybe. Um, I would say there's an argument for Dan Byrne over Harry Maguire. <laughs> I don't think that'll happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Any of the England ones, except maybe Trippier. You know, if Wilson or Dan Byrne or Nick Pope get into the squad, you wouldn't be expecting them to them expecting no. them to play much. Well, I don't know about Pope. I mean, okay, who's maybe ahead Pope, of him? But that's the yeah, goalkeeper yeah. you don't worry about, particularly about them burning themselves out. What I'm saying my, is we might My issue is I, I don't know. My, what I'm saying is we might have the advantage of most of our squad getting a month-long break. Yeah. And yeah. we're not in Europe. When that, that, maybe but, that could be bad for us. I don't know. Is a Paraguay in the World Cup? This is what I was going to ask. I don't know if... Sweden are in the World Cup, or Switzerland, or Paraguay, or what are the random countries? Who's our Swedish player? Kraft. Oh, Kraft. Okay, right. So, uh, of course, Botman. Would he go? Are they in the World Cup? He's not in the senior yes. team yet. So. I'm asked. Uh, I asked a question. It it's shown that we we've got absolutely no idea. I guess we'll deal with that. <laughs> but I think. Versus. Most Premier League teams are going to have players, like a handful of players at the World Cup at least. Tyne Thames said there's lots of talk that Leicester have peaked, just like other clubs who tried to permanently join the Big Six. Do you think that our owners will have the patience required to break the glass ceiling where others have failed? Uh, I, I mean, uh, yeah. Because their they're long-term aims aren't a return on their investment. It's to reflect in the, the success or glory of a, a Premier League, you know, a, a big Premier League club. So PIF have got money literally to burn. So they're not going to get like, they're not going to think that I'm just throwing good money after bad here. They, they are going to want to see progress. They're going to want us to be in the Champions League. They're going to want us to be at some point, pushing for the title, and they will keep giving us money to do that. I think it's going to be pretty tricky with FFP to get well, off there. Yeah, it's all going to come down to the commercial deals we sign, because that's how you essentially 
illegally dope a football club now if you're sports washing. But then the the owners can also give money directly to the club. I think it's there's a limit on it, but they can just go, oh, here's like thirty million quid, here's fifty million quid, or whatever. There's it's a, what we can do with can that. Spend- for the next, we can spend two hundred million a season for the next three years. I think, but that includes. Yeah, yeah. But I just meant, like, say, for example, that we wanted to, like, the commercial income was X, and we just needed an extra fifty million or whatever on top of it to get a deal done, or to, uh, you know, invest in the stadium or something. Our owners can just afford to just throw that money because money is literally no object to them. I think so the big to answer the question, was, yeah, yeah, okay. I think. Uh, I think the big problem that we're coming up with up against at the moment is that compared with other clubs who are competing for the top six, we have a pretty low wage structure. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 difficult. I would imagine James Madison would be asking to be the highest paid player in our squad, for example. Mm-hmm. I'm amazed that we got Bruno. Like, well, I think this is like, why. Look at Man United this weekend, and they've still got Fred and McTominay. Yeah, like, I, I hadn't heard of Bruno. Or maybe I had, had heard of him, but I didn't know much about him. I, I think that that's like reasonable for me not to know much about him. You would have thought Man United, someone at Man United, might have worked out that there's this guy playing over in France who is a lot better than anyone in your midfield. <laughs> well, I think Bruno, million. Bruno and Botman are sort of, they're indicative of the level of where we're at in the project at the minute. We're, we're looking for players who could go on to that next level and whose wages aren't going to be like significantly higher than everyone else at the club. I think mm. that's sort of, I think that's just going to go up every season but you can't do it all in one go i'm liking the way we seem to be growing quite sensibly because the the whole the journey of getting better is going to be the fun bit i think once you get to like where man city are now it'll be a bit more boring than the just i don't i don't know if we'll ever get up to that but we'll see and the 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 next big thing was not the next big thing but i think it will come up with someone like Bruno would be on his next contract in a couple mm. of years' time or whatever. If he continues playing like he's playing, he's going to be like, well, I'm a £200,000 a week player. Mm. I, it, am I going to get that contract with Newcastle or am I going to go and get it with PSG or whoever? Well, I think as well, but the thing it, we've not come up against yet as fans is like, there's, are we going to be like Leicester? It feels like Financially, at this point on our journey, someone comes in with a hundred million for Bruno. You have to accept it and reinvest it, like Villa did with Grealish, or like Leicester have done with a few players. Mm. I, I wonder. I don't know if we're a club that can turn that kind of offer down without matching the wages top players would get at those other clubs. Yeah, I tell you what, I would love for us to get one or two more players in. At the level of Bruno, oh yeah, by the end of this window, because actually, this might be the most fun season. Yeah, because it feels like Chelsea could easily drop away. Man, you aren't getting anywhere near the top six, I don't think. And because we're on the up, and that there won't be that like whatever it is, Bruno's not whoever we've got in our squad. No one's going to be itching to leave this season. No, no. So we're not going to be coming up against any of that. But I think as well, if we can get European football of some kind at the end of this season, you can just grow commercially quicker as well. It just yeah. speeds the whole process up. And, and, and you can just get appeal to better players as well. Yeah. Yeah. And and also those better players that you appeal to won't be demanding as high a wage as they would be for a club that wasn't in the European competition. Do you know what I mean? Like like, mm. for example, Ekitike would have been more interested in signing for us if we were also playing in the Europa competition instead well, uh, of just John, a mid-table club. John M 
uh, on Twitter <coughs> says, uh, does Saturday's results slash performance change any predictions you had for the new season or change any perspectives you had on the need for new signings? I think in terms of, uh, I think basically from the tone of this conversation, the answer is very much so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still think we'll finish about ninth. I said seven, so I don't think it's changed me too much. Yeah. Where did you say, Fergus? I can't remember, maybe seventh or eighth. And on WhatsApp last night, I was talking about fifth, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that's because you forgot about Chelsea. That is true. I did forget about Chelsea. But I, do, I agree. I, can't, I think both of you maybe said it last week, but again, certainly based on this weekend as well, I, I think us finishing against uh, above Man United is a good shout. I was just going to say quite a few of the mid-table sites, like the traditional ones like Aston Villa, Everton, Leicester, Southampton, they've all not only started badly, but they look bad. I think there's, a lot, look... there's a lot of squads in a, in a not great state, right? Yeah. 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 Leicester are on the way down. Villa... Everton. Villa yeah. could go either way. I'm not not so sure. About yeah, that. Everton. You'd, yeah, you'd have to say that they're potential relegation candidates. There's been a lot of people really? tipping Palace to do really well, but you just think they've lost Conor Gallagher. I yeah. don't think they've realised how they, big a player he was for them. They could do. I'm not sure about Wolves this season. I think Southampton are in for a relegation. Yeah, mm. but this is just astonishing hubris. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like here we are like sitting on our like thrones spending all our money that we think we've you know so anything else I want to go on to it? Uh, there was quite a good question from who was it Alice Ant says if you had a role at the club what role would it be just throwing that at you. Just throwing that at you. I'd like to be a director of football because I feel like you just go and watch a lot of games and have nice meals with other execs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I would like to say, like, you know, a recruitment analyst or something like that. But in, in all reality, I'd probably, I'd probably get more out of, like, a kit man. I'd like to be the kit man. You'd be a good I kit man, really I think. Good. Do you think it would be like the Arsenal all or nothing documentary? What would your team talk be if you were the kit man before a game? I think I'd invoke, I'd, <laughs> sorry. I could I could invoke the memory of like, you know, Keegan and Robson and, and, and that and and I think yeah, I'd just lean on more impressive people. I wouldn't I wouldn't say like do it for the fans, I'd say. I think you but, could, in theory, be a good kit man, but also there'd be like moments where Callum Wilson is like, why is the bloke who hands me my pants talking to me about XG for my shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I think, Fergus, you'd be a good Bez for the club. <laughs> well, I'd like, I would like the role, like whatever the role that is, like, you know, people like, like all the ex-Man U players seem to have a role at Man U, like yeah. Brian Robson or whatever, where they're like just like ambassador. kind of ambassador. Yeah. I'd just like to be, I would just like to basically be on a lot of business class flights yeah. and just go and just traveling around. I don't, I don't have the ability to be a scout, but I'd like to just be traveling around the world, watching games. I don't really want to be talking to other directors and stuff. <laughs> I'd, yeah. I would know. I would, I, I would like to be a scout, but like not a very good one. I like that in our fantasy jobs, we've gone for things where we're still too introverted to talk to too many people. <laughs> and Dave doesn't want to do a statistical job he'd love to because it's too flash. Instead, wants to be kit man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number nine. I'd like to be number nine. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to be Newcastle number nine. Mickey G says, which players... It's a good question. Which players would you pick if we played a five-a-side game, current squad only? The current squad, your five-a-side team, Dave Watson. Uh, Pope, Botman, Bruno, St. Maximum, Wilson. I've got one more, haven't I? No, that's it. That's it, yeah. And I think that would be mine as well. 
Yeah, maybe Trippier instead of Botman. But I don't know. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Is the five-side the one where you're not allowed to hit it overhead height? Because if it is, then then there's no need for Botman. I'll go Trippier. Okay. Wow. Always uh, thinking. There are a few more tweets, but we'll leave it there in terms of the correspondence. Let's uh, talk about the Brighton game. Uh, do tweet again, by the way. We can't fit any in, in everyone every week. We've got so many listeners. Um, <laughs> uh, the Brighton game uh, is away. It's another three o'clock Saturday kickoff. So another yeah. game that's going to be stressful trying to actually watch. For those of us who are not fortunate enough to be there, uh, Brighton have just had. Uh, a very good result. They've just won at Old Trafford for the first time in their history. Mm. Uh, that is not the kind of astonishing result that it once was. Um, but we we don't have a great record against Brighton recently, do we, Paul? No, but I think I think like you say, winning away at Old Trafford is it's kind of like winning away at Molyneux. It's not that big a deal. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see where we're at and where Brighton are at. We they pasted us the other year, didn't they? That Tarek Lamptey game, where but that was another early season game where we just looked completely unfit and mm-hmm. no idea how to set up against any kind of pressing game. I think it'll be very different to every Newcastle Brighton game that's happened before, but I think it will be a difficult game. I think it would be a good test in terms of uh, the quality of our squad. I mean, they're probably they're, they're probably further along in their development in terms of how long they've been mm. coached well. Um, they're going to be defensively a lot better than Forest were, I would say. Right. Yeah. But they're, we're, we're both, at the moment, were two like, quite, quite well-organised sides. So I don't know a lot of about their side, but in my head, they've got Welbeck and Lalana and Gross, and then probably a couple of other players that I don't know anything about, but like in a year's time will be sold for 70 million to Chelsea or something. They've signed this new striker who's quite short, I think, but he's meant to be very good. I think he's Paraguayan. So him and him and Miggy will know each other. I think there's a lot of high hopes about him. But then Brighton seem to always struggle with strikers sign a striker who's going to be the answer and then they get one goal in 15 games. Dave? I th- I think it's a really good test for us. I think Paul's right that, I mean, we, we haven't got a great record against them. We beat them the last time we played 2-1, but the, the Brighton that is now is, they are a, a decent footballing side. On paper, I think we have man-for-man better than them in like six out of the 11 positions. I think we have, like Wilson's a better striker than Welbeck. Bruno Gumierish is better than whoever they fucking want to put him up against. Joel Linton is better than everybody in that role that he plays. So I think if we can dominate the midfield, I think we can dominate possession. And if we can dominate possession, we will create the kind of chances we did against Forest, although with less regularity. I think we just need for those chances to be falling to Wilson and not Almiron or St. Maxman. A lot hanging on Wilson, isn't there? A very little player. We do need to sign someone else. Uh, Dave, do you have a score prediction? 1-1. One one. Oh. Paul? 1-0 us. Ooh. Mm. I think 1-1's one, a good show. Um, I'm going to say we're going to lose 2-1. I think we're going to, yeah. you know, just uh, I think a little bit of a wake-up call, maybe. No, yeah, you, you, you go. Well, that's fine. It's, it's nice just going into the games. Go on, Paul. It's nice going into games where we're not thinking like if they have an off day, we can get something here. <laughs> it's, yeah. You feel like we can 
sort of we control our own destiny now as a a team. We're not just reacting to what the other team's going to do. Yeah. Okay. But we're going to win so the league. We're going to win well, the league. Yeah, we're going to win the league. It's been a you know it's been a very positive pod. Um, let's see if we can maintain this positivity. At the minute, I secretly hope that with this that we have a few bad periods in the season because I always think it makes for better podcasts. <laughs> well, we've got Man City and Liverpool coming up soon, so I don't think you'll have long yeah, to wait. Scrap in, yeah. But it was, you know, it's nice to start with some, uh, with, we're maintaining, yeah, we had an amazing end to last season and uh, that has not waned yet. So uh, it's enjoyable. I wonder, here's a question before we finish the podcast. Let's assume we record the next podcast seven days from now, recording this, as we speak, on a Monday night. Seven days from now, Dave, do you think we will have signed a first-team player? No. Paul? When's the window shut? Is it 31st of August? 1st of September. Yes. I'm going to say no. I hope we have, but yeah, it could be quite down to the wire but I think surely we'll sign a couple before that window closes oh yeah yeah. before the window shuts I think we'll get two in one on loan one permanent Mm. right. well uh, let's leave it there thank you very much Paul Doolan thank you thank you Dave Watson cheers Fergus and thank you to you the loyal Newcastle Natter listener goodbye if you want to advertise on or sponsor this show Check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.